welcome guys to the MMOs.com podcast. Episode 129, Altai here, joined this week by... Omer. Alright. We have a good podcast this week as usual, and we'll jump right to that weekly raid. Hit us up with that raid, All huh? Right. I'm ready raid, for the raid check. The raid this week is, do you still have faith in crowdfunded MMORPGs? Two-prong question here. One is, any of the current slew of crowdfunded games? And two... In the model itself, okay? Summer, what do you think? I'll, I'll share my thoughts after. Uh, I think, right, I, I'm probably the I'm probably not very optimistic about this. I, I've never been optimistic about crowdfunded MMOs. The concept is still great on paper, where you can cut out publishers, you can work with developers and work directly with, the, with fans of the game, enthusiasts to fund their game. But honestly, seeing the progression of games like Crowfall, Star Citizen, and Albion Online, and countless other start crowdfunded games... I've actually grown an appreciation for maybe some of the business discipline that comes yes. from working with real investors and real companies. And perhaps a bit unrelated, but you know, Metal Gear Solid Five and the, you know, Hideo Kojima's drama with um, you know Konami kind of reflects that as well. He was kind of forced to release the game, and arguably, obviously, all the gamers take the side of Hideo Kojima because he made Metal Gear Solid. The guy's a genius. He makes some quality, quality games. Though I think Metal Gear Solid Two is still the best game in the series. Um, like people take people like taking the side of the artist, the creative. But the reality is, without without people pushing for deadlines and trying to make things happen, just games are just not going to come out. And I think we're seeing that with a lot of these crowdfunded games. You know, look at a game like Star Citizen. Look at their original release date and look at where we are today. There is still no release date to be to be found. You know, the MMOs.com release date for Star Citizen is in twenty one eighty three right now. It's official. It's on the MMOs.com page, right? And Crowfall recently got pushed back as well. I mean, their original release date, like, even if they released tomorrow, they'd be over a year late. But now they said, you know, the release date is pushed back into 2018. Their beta testing is pushed back to 2018, at least. So who knows, you know, when the game is actually going to finally happen. And we've seen a lot of crowdfunding games just go nowhere. So I don't know. My, my faith in crowdfunded MMORPGs has always been questionable. And I, I am so confident that Ashes of Creation and Chronicles of Illyria are, are going to be, you know, pretty much vaporware as well. We'll have to wait and see. Five years later, we'll see if they're vaporware or not. But I am like those games seem even less likely to happen to me than than Star Citizen. Like I'm, I don't think Star Citizen is going to be able to fulfill all its promises. But I think we will get a product. Something will release that's going to be in- encompassing what they wanted to do. May not you know do it well, but I think we'll get a product out of them. I think Camelot Chain will give us a pr- maybe give us a product as well. But I don't think games like Chronicles of Valeria or Ashes of Creation will get us what we want or uh, will give us anything. But yeah, I, I never had too much faith, and it looks to be... Uh, that faith is waning. Yeah, um, that's a good point you made with the uh, <coughs> the creative side, right? Never is never complete. You know, Art is never mm-hmm. finished or complete. So it takes people who are trained in the other side, right, of making the hard decisions, deadlines, sacrifices. Because every, any release date is a compromise, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and right now, with all these crowdfunding games, every incentive is to keep going with the current uh, you know, Kickstarter crowdfunding, and just keep raising money. Because Star Citizen can always keep pushing back, keep adding features, keep asking for more money. If they never release, they're never really um called out on it. You know, like you don't know if the game's gonna be good or bad, so you got to keep you know some a certain people keep giving them money uh over and over again. So it's it's just it's it's I think the model itself is flawed, not just the uh, current crop of games that used it. I mean, if you look at Star Citizen now, I mean, talk about money raised. They're up to a whopping $172 million in current funding, which is which is yep. pretty insane. That's already makes... I mean, people... 
I mean, there's been a recent development in Star Citizen, maybe worth mentioning about the land. So maybe go over that first real quick because it kind of ties into our, our oh. discussion here about crowdfunding. Sure. So uh, recently, Star Citizen started selling land uh, on various moons and planets in the you know during the founding period, the crowdfunding period. Now it's not specifically land you're buying. You're buying a tool, a, a surveyor tool. Which allows you to claim land once the game actually comes out. So that's how they justified it by saying, "Well, we're not like giving away, you know, stuff that you know, you know, we're not letting people pre-claim stuff in the game, right?" Uh, but honestly, it kind of it kind of ends up being the meaning the same thing. If somebody starts day one with this assessor tool, and you you know you start on day one naked, you you know he's gonna get the land he wants before you have a chance at it. So it's the same thing to in my mind as selling the best land. Uh, and it just seems so shady. Like, uh, do they need more money or not? That's a question. And, and I feel like they don't want to admit that either way. Yeah, at least they came out and said, look, listen, we need like X amount of more money to get, you yeah. know, where we want to be. That's fine. They don't talk about that too much. Mm-hmm. And again, $172 million is a lot of money. If you change that to a week, you'll see how much money they've raised uh, in the last few weeks since the launch of the, the land program. Oh, they've been, they've been, it looks like $4.7 million they made last week. And before that, th- uh, again, about $3 million. And on a normal week with no promotions, that number falls down to two hundred ten thousand dollars. So they still clearly are pushing these monetization, like these 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 schemes or these these promotions to raise more money. And what's what's insane is if you look at our Star Citizen, the game's uh, subreddit. I mean, the diehard, the amount of people that seem so blindly loyal to this game seems insane. Look, I think if you take it to the extreme on either end, you're, you're pretty you're pretty out there. You're kind of wacky. There are people that hate this game irrationally. You know, people like Derek Smart, who have a massive boner talking shit about Star Citizen. And there are people that just massively believe and trust everything they hear about the game and just constantly constantly tell their friends how great Star Citizen is. They defend every decision. Either way, I think you're a bit on the extreme. I mean, there's no reason to irrationally hate the game or just irrationally pump the game. But the number of people that that defend every decision they make and how they defend this this the land move like they have to do it they need more it's uh, games cost a lot of money it's reasonable there's nothing unusual about this you know they're not doing anything wrong the the release schedule is a-okay they've never they've never lied to it they never you know misled us that they're being honest the whole time the release schedules are fine so it seems silly to excuse everything as well but i mean this already makes star citizen one of the most expensive games to be developed of all time I mean, we, we keep a list on the most on Wikipedia as a list for the most expensive games for developed. I think GTA is probably the GTA Five is the most expensive game ever developed really? at a few hundred million. I, I think so. That. Let me look right now. Yeah. Most expensive MMORPG ever developed is um is Star Wars: Old Republic at about two hundred million dollars development cost. Yeah, this is already approaching the most expensive MMORPG ever. It's important to note because uh, I saw it mentioned in chat before. Someone has quoted four hundred million for Star Wars: The Old Republic. That four hundred million number you quoted includes the marketing budget, which uh, which is, you know, I don't think it's fair to include in the development budget of the game itself. Hmm. So, so Star Citizen think, is, is yeah. almost there as the top development cost game. And I don't think Star Citizen is really spending that money on advertising. And if they are, yeah. maybe I've never seen Star Citizen ads. I don't know. I mean, obviously, they go some of that money go to, go towards like conventions and stuff. But I mean, that's mostly money being spent on development. Yeah. So they're already up there in the most, in the most expensive. And I, I think by the time this comes out, this number will be well over two hundred million. I mean, I was astonished when this number broke hundred million. And now it's already closing in on uh, on two hundred million, which is nuts. I mean, this year alone they've raised a good chunk of change. In fact, this 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 last month has been the best month of them all year for crowdfunding for for fundraising because of the the land program. And it, it really when, you, when I think of land for crowdfunding, it makes me think of Shroud the Avatar. But at least <laughs> at least if you look at Shroud the Avatar, right, and and the current state of Star Citizen, honestly, 
I played Shroud of the Avatar. The game is feels unfinished and looks unfinished, right? But at least their their whole premise is there. You know, the MO components are there. There's something playable in the grand scheme of the persistent universe, right? You don't have the all the all the you know I, don't, I forgot what Star Citizen calls them nodes or like modules. Not all the modules interact with each other, you know, as intended in Star Citizen. But at least that's working in in Shroud of the Avatar. And you know, you could talk shit about Shroud of the Avatar, but at least the game is fully playable today. I'm just going through the store here on Star Citizen. <laughs> Again, there is a subscription for this game as well. You could yeah. you could have been subscribed to Star. You could be a monthly subscriber for Star Citizen, and the game is not even out yet. Okay. I mean, you could be a subscriber for over a year now. There are two subscription uh, options. You can you can get the uh, ten dollar a month subscription, <laughs> or the twenty dollar a month subscription. Isn't that exciting? Uh, I, I still think like this is it's it's a remarkable theater what's happening in Star Citizen though I think because even if this game like, completely flops. It feels like a lot of people already got the value. Like the the posting, the, there's so much activity on the Star Citizen subreddit. People are talking about like the clans they're going to make. If you go to the game's forums, people already have clans. There's, there's already like there's already giant clans set up. They're already planning which like parts of the universe they're going to control and stuff. There's like there's already like a meta game happening in like in, in the forums and the subreddit of like this game. Dr there's already drama unfolding. Like in-game drama doesn't exist because the game is not fully in out yet. Entire guilds will rise and fall. Yes, in the it's purely in the forums before the game ever comes out, <laughs> which is remarkable. I mean, this is this is amazing that this can happen. This is so weird, and I I do think in a way that the amount of funding this game has taken, uh, it's it, if this one implodes, it's going to hurt the model a lot though. Okay. And I do think a lot of people still funding crowdfunded MMORPGs and crowdfunded games in general. They don't know what they're getting into. This really takes like the model of a crowdfunded game probably. It can be looked at as um, Founders Packs, because I know a lot of people hate Founders Packs for MRPGs. I know Closers Online just did their Founders Pack sale recently, too. And in order to play Closers on Steam, you got to buy a Founders Pack. It's a free-to-play game, but to, to play it, you got to spend money on a Founders Pack. I mean, the crowdfunding is the ultimate Founders Pack. Like, everything you can buy right now on Star Citizen is just one massive Founders Pack. And it goes from, like, the, how, how much is the base game of Star Citizen anyway, like, to actually play? <coughs> $45, I believe. $45. And it goes from $45 up to, like, tens of thousands of dollars to get all, to get all these crazy ships. There are people, and there are entire subreddits dedicated. So here's the thing. When you buy these various ships, guys, that I'm showing on screen right now, like $600, $200, whatever, you can actually trade these ships. And some of them are limited releases. Some of them are come back once in a while for, like, you know. Mm -hmm. So there's already full subreddits where people trade and flip ships. And people have made money doing this. Like, they, they end up with more ships in the end than they started with. Because, like, uh, I'll trade you two Aegis Hammerhead LTI ships, which have 600 each, you know, for uh, mm -hmm. for one of these ships or whatever. And, and as you can see here in green text, some of these are in stock and some of them are out of stock. So there's this whole, like, there's this whole meta market <laughs> already of people just flipping ships to each other in this game that doesn't exist. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't want to be seen as the guy who, who hates Star Citizen. I, I hope the game happens. I've seen the videos Chris Roberts put out about the game, and the ambition is excellent. It's really cool, and I'm rooting for them, but it just seems so bizarre that they, you know, they're doing this. Like, I don't think anyone else can get away with this, which, which is remarkable. If Area Games tried to just imagine Area Games or Nexon put, like, a $10,000 item in their Founders Pack, the our MRPG would, would would ship bricks, right? So it'd be insane. There'd be a shitstorm of like pay to win nonsense. Like if and this stuff seems more offensive to me than the than the EA controversy from the last couple of weeks. Like they're literally some of these ships cost thousands of dollars. Like what's the most expensive ship you can buy in the, in the store right now? <laughs> on this oh, right page? now it's only six hundred fifty. But I've definitely right. seen yeah. packages for above that in the past. 
I know there was a javelin ship that it went on sale for like a rare price. It was only two thousand dollars. It was like a special sale for a javelin in Star Citizen for two thousand, and they sold out instantly. They sold like they sold like a hundred of those javelins, like in, 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 in a refresh. So there are there are ships that cost thousands in this game, and people have already spent tens of thousands. It it pales in comparison. Like, two thousand five hundred dollars for the javelin. Yeah, so it was on sale for two thousand. They oh, sold okay, that really okay, quick. Okay, it was a good okay. deal, you know. Oh, Apparently, it's you know, a really good, good deal. Yeah, you real, got, real, real you guys steel, better right? get on that next time. There's a there's a line for the store open. Okay, you know, we have on, a real Black I got, Friday. Line I gotta see It's on my mind before I forget. Okay, so right now, currently, the most expensive ship is six hundred fifty bucks, right? I don't care if Star Citizen comes out, okay, and it's the best game ever. You should not be spending this much money on it, okay? Like, think of your current favorite game. What for me, it might be Starcraft. You know, what to pay for Starcraft? I pay fifty bucks. You know, okay, maybe it's number two might be uh, Ultima Online, which with this with the monthly subscription, I probably paid maybe four hundred, three hundred dollars in my life, right? Mm-hmm. And, and that's like five, a couple of years of being subscribed. How can, even if this is the greatest game ever, this price alone makes it, or, or charging pages of, of these expensive ships, this makes it a scam right here. Even, even, even if it's the best game ever, it's still a scam, just based on what I'm seeing right here on this page. What is this? Uh, it's, what's pretty funny is, uh, searching for the, the expensive ships, they, they had packages that go up to $15,000. Some guy asked on R Star Citizen, is the $15,000 package worth it? So like, People are talking about this, and there's there's a post here on um, I looked in podcast. You know, meet meet a fan who has spent thirty thousand dollars on Star Citizen ships. Like you can see a picture of him with Chris Roberts, but I feel like at this point the man is owed a blowjob from Chris Roberts. <laughs> that, that's my personal feeling, right? He spent thirty thousand dollars on game. You better get at least a handy. I bet right? you, the man himself. That suit Chris Roberts is wearing is probably is so expensive. This poor schmuck uh, is working like some menial job, and then he's just funneling his money to this. Con man on the right with this fancy uh, Italian suit. Oh man! <laughs> but yeah, people are asking if you can get those ships in game. Yeah, I, I think you can. I think you. I think there will be a way to earn, uh, you know, in game currency to buy those ships too. But like, most of the time in a lot of these uh, games, the stuff you pay for, you can unlock in game as well with in you know, game grinding and currency as well. I mean, people shit on Star Wars Star Wars Battlefront too because you know you could pay your way to unlocking the content, or you can just grind forever and get it too. This does the same logic apply here. Why isn't there a shitstorm over Star Citizen? Why was there never a shitstorm over Star Citizen's business model versus Battlefront 2's business model? And arguably, you can spend a lot more money on Star Citizen than you can on Battlefront 2. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. It, it seems insane that these guys got a free pass. Like, again, I'm never going to spend money on Star Citizen. It's just not going to happen. And, but seeing people spend like thousands of dollars is pretty ridiculous. Like, it's their money, obviously. And I think you said it in a previous podcast, you know. Some of these games, whether it's you know you said Idol Masters or, or or Star Citizen, these games exist to separate fools and their money. Yeah, I agree with that. And, and if they do, like it's it's whatever you know, it doesn't, it doesn't cost me anything. Guys, I I think people who buy these ships are forgetting the perspective of money. Like, there are very few people in America, okay, where dropping six hundred fifty bucks on a ship can be justified as a rational choice. I know we had this discussion before. Yes, there are a very very few. Less than 1% of people in America have the annual income to support this kind of habit where they're regularly buying these massive macro-transactions, okay? I, I'm, I'm going to stop calling them micro-transactions because I feel like the average guy who gets suckered into these wells of these games is not doing micro This is not a micro... 650 bucks is not a micro-transaction. It's a macro-transaction. Actually, if you look at um, this, this post on CNN, there's a, this headline is worth uh, perhaps showing on stream as well. I mean... Uh, there is something to be said when the transaction size gets that big. I mean, six hundred dollars is a lot of money. 
I mean, <clears throat> this article on CNN says six in ten Americans don't have five hundred dollars in savings. Yeah, they okay. can't. They, so the only way sixty percent of people can buy these items is, is through going in debt. <laughs> so the fact that people are doing this, there's a lot of look. I made an argument before about you know right, defending people that spend this kind of money. Pieces. I do want to emphasize my defense rest if people can afford it or not, right? And I think oftentimes people do spend money that they literally cannot afford to spend, and they are making foolish decisions. And this is not again a Star Citizen specific thing. I mean, games like Try the Avatar have huge, you know, thousand dollar bundles as well. Crowfall, I think, has thousand dollar bundles. A lot of these crowdfunding games have multi thousand dollar bundles you can spend on the games. So it's it's insane that people. I don't know. I, th- I, th- I think you had a great post um, earlier about somebody who spent a lot of money on a mobile game, or was it a PC game? Was yeah. it an article you linked me? Okay, yeah, yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. That's worth sharing, too, because it kind of fits in this discussion. Yeah, let me find- okay, so this is a really cool article, guys, from the UK. I'll link it in uh, chat as well. I'll just go over it a little. So this 19-year-old guy, he spent over $10,000 over the course of a year or two on mobile gaming. And this isn't a rich person. Like The excuse we always hear is, if it's your money, so what? This guy is a student. He was, you know, 19 now, but he was less than that before. He actually took a job while living with his parents just to fund his addiction. And eventually, uh, he admits himself, he had to see a psychologist to, to get him to break his addiction. So this guy, and, and he, he even now, even to this day, when his friend group uh, <coughs> asks him to, like, join them when he play BDO, he has to refuse because he says, uh, I have to avoid games with, you know, loot box mechanics or, or you know, cash shops because otherwise he'll relapse. So this is a serious thing. And it affects people, you know, around our age, our generation. And, and I, don't, I don't think you can just dismiss this by saying, well, it's your, it's, everyone has their own money. They can do whatever they want with it. Because so many people will fall through the cracks under that world. Like if someone becomes an opium addict or heroin addict, he needs, usually he needs outside help to get better. And I really feel for some subset of addictive people, they can fall into this pit where they need... Okay, I'm, let me find the money quote here, actually, guys. All right, so what do you think? What do you think of this article while I try to find this? It's, um, I still don't think it's a solution that uh, you got you to gotta, you regulate away. I do think um, like if more stories like this come out, it will create outrage from the market itself, and companies will be forced to adapt to it. When people stop playing these kinds of games, I think it, it can be a self-correcting thing, personally. I, and actually, just to expand on this as well, you know, uh, we, I, I know at least one person on the MMOs.com Discord, who has spent ten thousand dollars on a on a free to play game? Really? I know I know one person in my guild in Final Fantasy fourteen who has spent several thousand dollars on a free to play PC MMORPG. So again, and these are people I know for a fact are not rolling in the dough. You know, they don't have a, they don't have savings. They're just you know, there's no you know money weighing them down. These these are people that are you know working people, students that could definitely you know use that money. And and not just that. I mean, Fate Grand Order launched a big update in the last um, in the last week, I believe, when they released Jack the Ripper. It's a mobile game. I have a lot of almost all my friends are playing this game right now. I, I know several people that spent a couple hundred dollars. You know, again, it's not nearly as, as as much, but people that don't have a couple hundred dollars to blow necessarily. People that are students that are you know you know just trying to make ends meet. Just blowing like five hundred bucks, two hundred, three hundred, four hundred dollars on, on this seems like it's people. It, it's crazy to look at it too, because again, back in back in the day, you you bought a game for fifty bucks, right? And nowadays, people are spending $100 on just rolling gotchas on mobile games or buying a $30 skin in League of Legends. You know, I, I love League of Legends, don't get me wrong, but like, what you can get for $30, like, think how many, you can buy, you can buy a full budget like, game when it goes on sale or like, you know, 
two skins in league is like one full game. A full game. Overwatch is only forty dollars when it came out too. Like you can buy Overwatch or you can buy a skin in League of Legends, and one will give you like a thousand dollars entertainment. One will just change your character's hairstyle. It just seems insane that there's been a disconnect between value, rather what you get for what you're paying with a lot of free-to-play games. But the problem, again, it doesn't lie with the company. It's just people's perception of value has changed so drastically or something's... Be- Look, I don't know. Okay, here, yeah. here's the solution, Amor. Okay? Here's the solution, guys. First of all, I'm not talking about government regulation. Okay? I, I know mm-hmm. you've said that before. People in chat are saying that. I'm talking about community. Me, as a social... As a human. As a social circle. As a, you know, a person in the community. Shaming. Social shaming is so important. And it's a good thing. Bullying is a good thing, I think, overall, like in grade school. And here's why. I'm going to quote you this guy who is a self-admitted addict, okay, of, of these tra- uh, loot boxes. Quote, it never feels like you're making a good decision when you spend that $100, he said. But at the same time, I was like, what else am I going to do with spend it on? There weren't really any repercussions to enforce, like, you idiot, stop. Yo, idiot, stop. If this guy had friends around him, like me, people like me, who are willing to say to him, hey, you moron, you spend $100 on fake Grand Order mobile anime edition, you're an idiot. That's social pressure of me. Oh, oh shit, you know, like, you know I don't want to be an idiot, you know. So I'll, I'll stop spending this money. This guy needed that in his life. He needed somebody. He needed friends, family, uh, peers to tell him, hey, you retard, stop spending. Your f- stop working eight hours a day just so you can buy nothing on your phone. Like, if someone had sent that to him, he would have had that $10,000 in his bank account today. All right, there. That's my rant. Actually, somebody just linked a, a, a Giazza picture of uh, League of Angels. And it looks like he spent quite a bit of money on this game. 2000 Click that picture real quick. 2,000 diamonds is 50 bucks. And it looks like this guy's uh, 370,000 diamonds into VIP level 13. Holy moly. Is that your account, by the way? Uh, must rush be? I'm curious. How much have you spent on the game overall? But I... I in a way, I agree with what you're saying, but I don't think um, bu- I can't stand behind the idea that bullying equals good. You well, know, the, what, the way you, the way you present that uh, argument was bullying what, equals what, good. What I would you consult, would you consider what I said bullying then? Like, if I call someone an idiot, retard for spending that money, obviously just uh, going up to a kid and pushing him around is not for no reason. It's no, not, it's not good. Look, I think if you bully and if you're rude as fuck in a way that can benefit them, yeah. it's a net positive. Yeah. Because yeah. if if you if you do it to somebody that can afford that spending that kind of money, you're being an asshole. But I and I do agree with you in a way. If you if if you say yo idiot, the fuck are you doing? And if the, and if they're actually like you know having trouble paying their rent, they're really behind on their maybe uh, or other payments. they're eighteen payments. year olds and they have no they have no college degree and they have no you know and they're taking a job just to pay for this. You gotta call me. No, idiot. but no, eighteen year olds. Oh, thank you. We got oh, zero appreciate the, appreciate the Twitch sub uh, the subscription there uh, zero escape. But look, you can appreciate like. 18-year-olds, 16-year-olds, high schoolers, they spend money, right? Because their parents give them money for allowance and stuff. There's nothing wrong with spending your, your, your Christmas money or your allowance on what gives you fun, right? So I don't think when you're dealing with 18-year-olds, it's, you know. Whoa, 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 hold up, hold up. He himself said he actually doesn't enjoy spending the money. He's kind of stuck in a cycle. And you'll often see this in gamblers, whether it's, you know, lottery tickets or people at the casino. At some point, they stop having fun, and it's kind of like just they're nervous while they're playing because like they're trying to get back what they put in. Like I don't think they're getting the satisfaction that you think they're getting. Uh, but you don't you don't know that either. Again, I, I think if you spend with you know, if an eighteen year old spends like a hundred bucks on on a mobile game, I, I don't think that's a problem. But when you, when you see someone, no, every, but when every, you every see week? somebody spending thousands, okay, yeah. when that number breaches five hundred, a thousand dollars, I think as a friend, you sh- you do have a responsibility to intervene in such a way. Maybe. 
to say like, yo, idiot, the fuck are you doing is the wrong way of approaching it. Really? But I think it's not so it. wrong. I, I mean, whatever ends up working, honestly, yeah. because, you know, sometimes you do need something called tough love, you know, and sometimes yeah, just exactly. casually matching it doesn't actually fix the problem. Stick hey, stick figure figure Appreciate this, the Twitch sub over there. So, yeah, you know what? I'm going to say I agree with you. I'm going to say saying calling someone an idiot for spending money that you know they can't afford, I think is a good thing. And that applies to both uh, video games and I think uh, in real life. You know, if you're if you're a friend that's going to the casino and like bring his credit card and doing a cash advance and going into debt to gamble, you should call him an idiot and and, and whatever you can do to prevent him from doing that. Ultimately, I think you're, you're being a net positive impact on your friendship. So exactly. I guess that logic should apply to to, to this as well. Yeah, and I, I did I did mention like friends and family. It's up to us to you know take care of the people around us and vice versa. And part of that is calling out these bad decisions. Isn't isn't one of the reasons Japan is like doesn't isn't as nearly as overweight as much of the West is because there's a social pressure exactly. uh, in society like, for being fat. If you're yeah. fat, you will get shamed in public. Even in a lot of countries that do better on the whole obesity thing than us, it's not because the government is like banning like fat food. You know, uh, it's because uh, there's less tolerance in the community for people that just are just fat. Like imagine like if if somebody was fat, right? It would reflect bad on their family, their parents, their you know their uh on themselves or on a future prospect to, to get a job uh so they, they, they just stay thin that's it you know, that's all it takes uh in america I, I wish we had more of that um doesn't mean you go and punch the fat kid in your class but it does mean you should be more active in the life of people around you, your friends and family yeah again so i think if, you, if, you can, if we can fix this problem without getting uh government involved and other you know like it can be i think it can be fixed socially and i do think you know we, we all know somebody that spends too much money on video games. So perhaps we can walk away with a lesson here. You know, maybe maybe talk to your friend who overspends money on on, uh, on mobile games or overspends money on uh, on a game for their financial well being. Yeah, ask them to go on a hike with you on a weekend. You know, like an eight hour hike in the woods. Maybe then you know they'll, they'll enjoy a free hobby rather than uh, blowing all that money. So we do have someone in our chat that that self admitted spends uh, has spent about ten thousand dollars on League of Angels. Over uh, must rush be. Out of curiosity, what period of time is that you know in? Because he linked me his account, I can see the the total amount of diamonds in those games. And what's insane about those games is simply um, it's nine thousand two hundred fifty British pounds. Actually, he linked his account over there. And obviously, you know, it's, and, and it's amazing because the way these games work though is it's so much more like if you look at Eastern versus Western like monetization, like companies like EA haven't even scratched the surface on how much they can monetize yet. Because if you look at a game like League of Angels, the amount of money you have to spend to get stronger increases exponentially. So if you look at the, the screenshot you linked over there, where you can see the VIP levels, he has to spend another 129,000 diamonds to reach VIP level 14. He's only VIP level 13 right now. But remember, you know, the, the, the cost of those diamonds are through the roof. You divide the number by... Um, I forgot what the, what the calculation was there, but he, he spent over over $10,000 on that so far, which is absolutely insane. It's over 1.5 years. I, I hope you have a good income there. Must rush yeah, yeah. be able to, to, to pay for that. But, I mean, do you feel it's an addiction for you? Do you feel it's... Um, Something that are you enjoying spending the money, or is it just like where are you on your mental state? Because then exactly. we've talked to Australia about this as well. That's so important because, like I said, I was reading this article, uh, and this guy he admits that even when he's spending the money, he's not feeling good. So that that's a key point of addiction, you know. Like that's that's when you know things aren't good when you don't really feel good about what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, again, if, if, if the amount of money you can spend on these games goes from ten thousand to hundreds of thousands of dollars, whether on a lot of these Chinese browser games and a lot of Chinese client games as well. And if you even if you look at the like Battlefront two, the most money you can spend on that game is probably like a few thousand dollars. Literally, if you, if you just unlock everything for cash, 
it won't cost you more than a few thousand dollars. Again, that's a shit ton of money, and it's still obviously you know greedy and bullshit. And now I'm with you on that, but it doesn't even come close to what you can spend on other games. If, if, imagine unlocking every card in Hearthstone. How much? How much U.S. dollars would it take to unlock everything in Hearthstone? There's actually, there's no more than five. There was an article about this. Yeah. Probably. Really? On the Hearthstone thing? Yeah, but it was it was probably dated now because um, you know these things change all the time. I'll try to find it while you go. All right, so and, and that applies to Overwatch as well. I had, a, I, had a, I had a conversation with some friends about Overwatch before, about the way they're handling monetization. I actually, I, I do genuinely think uh, Blizzard isn't monetizing as well as they could, and without even going pay to win, I think Overwatch can add a a whole new tier of skins. You know, instead of legendary skin, which is like I think eight percent drop rate, they can do a a secret legendary skin, which is a which is a one percent one percent drop rate, and then add a ultra legendary skins, which are zero point one percent drop rate. People that really want those skins would spend thousands and you know, five, ten thousand dollars unlocking those super, super rare skins. And it wouldn't impact the game at all. Like, you know, if you're a free user, let's be real, you know, there's no pay to win in the game anyway. You're just paying for skin. There's, there's just skins. Adding ultra rare skins doesn't really impact my experience as a free to play user. And I think most people might be like a little offended when they see, like, oh my God, there's a 0.1% chance drop rate skin. Blizzard is so fucking greedy. But I think they'll keep playing. There's a, you know, if they start selling weapons that can imbalance the game, people might quit. But if, if we're talking about stuff that are cosmetic, I think they can make a lot more money monetizing that way because, like we like, if you look at how much money you can spend in Overwatch to unlock every single skin in the game, won't cost you more than five grand, and that's a shit ton of money. But a bullshit game like League of Angels, a Chinese browser game, which has one one millionth of the production value as a as a good game like Overwatch or a good game like League of Legends, unlocking every skin in League of Legends, even you know you can only spend so much money. The money hole goes into the hundreds of thousands of dollars in games like. Game of War, Clash of Clans, these browser games. This guy spent multi, like I think, two million dollars on on uh, Game of War. Two million dollars. You could not spend that even one tenth of that money, one one hundredth of that money, if you tried to in Hearthstone or Overwatch. And that's what's kind of the difference between Eastern and Western monetization is they're not designed to literally milk every penny they can. But I feel like they they can get away with it on the cosmetic side. Yeah, and uh, to answer the question, uh, if you want full gold and f- non-gold c- collection of cards in uh, Hearthstone, mm-hmm. up to next Ramus, it's about $6,000. And full gold? Yeah, yeah. That tells me how generous Blizzard is. You know, people always say, like, ah, oh, it's fucking expensive, right? It, it is. But $6,000 is a lot of fucking money, obviously. But, that's but in relation too. to these other yeah, games, yeah. that's for gold. Yeah. Unlocking the gold-backed cards is nonsense. Getting a gold legendary, it, it adds nothing to the game. It's the same exact card as a regular legendary, but you got a cooler animation. It's got the gold border. So you cut that number in half, or maybe even more than half. More than you know, half. More, half, more, cost, half. more than half. To unlock every card in Hearthstone is going to cost you a couple thousand dollars maximum. Probably le- way less than that, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's less than one k, I'd say. Less than one k. So these Chinese games are getting away with like so much more. And let's. Be, like, my brother was talking last week. A lot of these Western companies are looking at the Chinese model, the Korean model. Like, what the hell are we doing? Like, they're, they're getting away with murder. The fuck are we doing? Like, why are we monetizing better? Uh, so I think yeah. the trend will go towards more more pay to win, unfortunately, and more monetization. I think so too. Uh, I I think we've actually watched this uh, video on the podcast like a year ago, but I do want to watch it again. It's that kicks honest Kickstarter video. All right, All right so watch it, it. it's like a two minutes long, guys. Uh, I think it's worth it. So uh, come watch with us. Here we go. Hi, you have no idea. Mashed potato. All right, wait for the pouring to ride off into the. Wilderness until we... Okay, here we go. Why bother introducing ourselves? We're not important. We're here to talk to you about our bullshit product. We think our bullshit product (laughs) is so great that we can just ask for money. Her idea is total 
bullshit. When we first got the dumbass idea for our bullshit product, we we're like, but we don't have any money. But thanks to Kickstarter, now we can take other people's hard-earned money. Away from their families. You have no reason to trust us. <laughs> but I'm providing an emotional appeal. Listen to how passionately I'm talking about our bullshit product. I love our bullshit product. She's <laughs> so perfect. Let's meet the rest of the team. We actually have no idea what we're talking about, but we don't want you to know that. So we're going to throw a bunch of buzzwords at you, like vertical integration, social media outreach, community insight, uh, vertical integration. I'm really it's ugly. Based on my bizarre and distracting appearance, I shouldn't be in this video. Vertical integration, uh, there's vertical integration. We know what you're thinking. This product is bullshit. That's why we came up with this list of completely worthless rewards. The reward for donating one dollar is knowing that you've donated one dollar. Next step up, five hundred dollars. <laughs> we'll give you a special thanks. And you'll know you donated a dollar. Five hundred times. After that, <laughs> if you donate ten thousand dollars, you're obviously one of our parents. And finally, one hundred thousand dollars is way too much to ask of anyone. Our expectations are too high. You will never get our rewards, but you will get a thousand goddamn emails. We want to assure you that we are not at all responsible for the money. I'm ugly as hell. Why am I back on screen? Thank you so much for encouraging this behavior. For whatever reason, I think I'm special. Our idea is so dumbass that we should be ashamed. Please, for the love of God, donate to our bullshit product. Vertical integration. That doesn't even sound like a word anymore. Alright, there you go. This is so unbelievably accurate. It is insane, actually. It, it, it's quite literally captures the feeling of most Kickstarter products that are like highly ambitious. You know, They're, look, I don't want to shut on all crowdfunding because as as a format for like developing board games and things that are a bit simpler, it it, it actually works really well. A lot of cool board games came out of Kickstarter, but for it's just insane to see people that are trying to tackle these insanely complex projects like MMORPGs on Kickstarter, and, and it really comes out to them not knowing shit and like just pitching some bullshit. And nobody knows, nobody knows what they're doing, but they, they have an idea, and that's all they have. Yep. And they think they have enough to make a game. There was actually a big Kickstarter that raised lots of money for a uh, for a water bottle that fills the cell. Okay, mm -hmm. and it was supposed to like get it from the air, right? And uh, they raised so much, they raised hundreds of thousands of dollars. They got funding from like the Austrian government, and then they they just admitted it was all bullshit. They had no idea what they were doing. They had no engineering background. It was like an art school grad kid. And then it just all blew up. I think they ended up making a like a humidifier from air <laughs> yeah, conditioners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was literally just a, like 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 an like expensive air, air conditioner humidifier that was like bulky and like yeah. twice the price that you can buy an air conditioner at because they had that same process. And it was I think Thunderfoot made a great video. Yeah. Honestly, I think Thunderfoot makes a lot of great videos on, on debunking a lot of extreme bullshit Kickstarter videos. Uh, you may disagree with some of Thunderfoot's other ideas. He, he went like he went on the whole like feminism thing too for a while, which is a, a bit silly, I think. But he's got a lot of great videos debunking the science behind uh, a lot of bullshit Kickstarter projects. I feel like we need a we need, we need a, a game Kickstarter well, debunker. You were supposed we to debunk him. Remember, you started a column like like six months ago. Uh, you're supposed to be the bullshit Kickstarter of the week.
Yeah, we should. We, we gotta bring that back. That many, there, we gotta bring it back. But there aren't that many. Yeah. Don't limit it to MMORPGs. Just do any any Kickstarter. Yeah, you're right. If I move, okay. any any like kind of game, I feel like it could be it could make a lot more sense. Anything tangentially related to technology or gaming. Mm. Okay. All right. Yeah, but I think that Kickstarter video is, is is perfect. It really captures so much of the, or at least what I feel towards what most Kickstarters end up doing. Mm-hmm. Insane. All right. Woo. Good talk, guys. Good talk. Uh, all right. Want to get some interesting news of the week? I I'd, I'd love to start with the one I just wrote. Uh, yeah, how about it? I, I thought that, that was probably the most interesting. That's my favorite. That's my favorite read of the week. All right, boys. So here's a here's a hilarious article I woke up to this morning. Uh, actually, it's not hilarious. I, I apologize. It's actually really. Sad. Story. Really sad. It's actually a really sad story. Okay, so here we go. Desperate Venezuelans turn to MMORPGs to survive. Uh, as you may or may not know, guys, there's a huge economic crisis in Venezuela. It's been going on for at least two years now. And we did first report about this back in uh, August. So in August 1st, I wrote that uh, World of Warcraft gold was worth more than the Venezuelan Bolivar. So one unit, one piece of gold in uh, in World of Warcraft was worth more than one Bolivar, and this was back in August when one bol- uh, it cost eight thousand three hundred eighty-five Bolivar to buy one U.S. dollar. Now fast forward to now December, and that it's gotten way worse in Venezuela. We got as you can see by this banner banner picture I chose. There's just fires in the middle of the street in, in Venezuela. I, it cost a hundred and eight thousand Bolivars to buy one dollar. And this has basically made everyone's local income worthless. So if you're like a doctor or a lawyer in Venezuela, you basically get paid nothing. Zero. Like one cent an hour, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, So what do people do in Venezuela? Well, you know, former engineers, professionals, they quit their jobs or they don't show up to work. And instead, they're grinding in tibia and runescape. (laughs) They're gold farming in tibia and runescape and selling that to, you know, people in Europe and America. And with that money, they're feeding their entire family. Their kids are going to school. It's just a baffling story, Warren. What do you what do you think of this? I think it's insane. I, I read this. I read this this morning too, and I thought it was the most interesting article I've read all week. And the reason behind it is, uh, you know, if you if you live in Venezuela, it, it's illegal to have U.S. dollars. You know, yeah. your currency is all uh, bolivars, and the bolivar every day gets shittier and shittier, and you lose your purchasing power. So when you buy when you sell gold on these games to like those, those, the gold selling websites, you get paid in U.S. dollars, and you become rich. You know, because the, the U.S. dollar get you know, it's so much more than your monthly wage. So there's actually some really striking quotes in this article. Maybe click into that Bloomberg article too, because in the Bloomberg article itself, you'll see some pictures of these people playing uh, tibia and these really old ass CRT monitors, and they just sit there grinding. My favorite quote is, um, you know, there's 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 one uh, one guy in Venezuela talking about RuneScape, and he says uh, a 27 year old former engineer who is now farming RuneScape gold to provide for his family has been banned repeatedly by Jagex. Each ban sets him back weeks as he has to grind a new character capable of efficiently farming gold. And he quotes saying, shouldn't they be proud that entire families are being fed by their game? He says to Bloomberg, shouldn't they be proud of entire families being fed by their game? So this shows you like a different dynamic of how we look at gold farmers. You know, we, we you know most of us here in the West that play games like um, RuneScape just get really pissed off when we see um, people RMTing. It really you know hurts our experience and we feel like it's some complete bullshit that they're kind of cheating. But if you look at the other end of the spectrum, like literally gold farming in RuneScape is feeding families. It's saving lives in a way in, in, in Venezuela. And the the reaction from people, it, it gets so insane. Like in the actual Bloomberg article, it also says that um, Venezuelan gold farmers, biggest enemy may prove not to be xenophobic gamers, but themselves. That's because so many players flock to online worlds and make a living, blah, blah, blah. Here's a quote. But the anger... At the influx of farmers and games such as RuneScape, is such that one user on Reddit uh, posted a guide on killing Venezuelans. Like yeah. so, you 
is a guy that finding Venezuelans in the game and killing them. Yeah. Offering tips to kill their characters in game. So like the actual RuneScape community hates these people. But these people are just like literally fighting for scraps to feed their family. It's so and they're weird. farming in RuneScape. It's it's a really bizarre tale of how, you know, shitty economy and people resort to playing RuneScape and Tibia. And what's remarkable is it's Tibia and RuneScape. Well, and, and the reason is these yeah, yeah go ahead. No, uh, the reason they're playing these games, guys, Tibia and RuneScape, is because I just learned this today. Venezuela has worse internet than most of Africa and, and, and even Syria, which is in a civil war right now. It's you know killing hundreds of thousands of people. Venezuela has worse internet than that. So these guys are stuck playing these god-awful games, or old games, I should say, not awful, because their internet connection can't handle anything better. Yeah, I, I was thinking they should they should run a casino in Final Fantasy fourteen, but then you look at that mo- that picture, the guy's playing on this old ass CRT, and it would take him literally like a year to download Final Fantasy fourteen. That's yeah. why they're playing Tibia and RuneScape. These games, you know, are, are tiny. They can run the browser or a tiny micro client, and it just I don't know, this. I thought this was the most baffling and interesting read uh, is all week. I mean, I recommend you guys just skim through the Bloomberg article too if you guys are interested. Yeah, and um, it's so funny that imagine guys that when you're walking around an MMORPG and you decide to PK somebody, right? Like a farmer like in BDO or something, you could literally be uh, causing the starvation of that guy's family in Venezuela. <laughs> like, like some real IRL distress yeah, for his you family. Kill that guy, you kill that guy in game, you just kill his family IRL. <laughs> like that's how bad that's it is. Quote. <laughs> um, the riveting Bloomberg article details some of the hardships the South African country is facing and the lengths men are willing to go in order to provide food for their families. One woman recalls fighting with her husband over his obsession with Tibia and how the recent crisis has changed her perspective on the game. She said, we'd get into ugly fights, and he would tell me, I'll leave you before I give up Tibia, she recalls. <laughs> but I can't argue with that thinking with, 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 uh, with what he's making. So before, she'd be pissed off that he would say that. But now she's like, you know what? He's right. He should not leave Tibia. And, and that, is like, that, is a, that is a money quote right there. That is some, some respect as well. He, he would leave his wife before he would leave Tibia. <laughs> and he says that to her face. Even before this crisis happened, he yeah. would just tell her to her face. Yeah. <laughs> that is that is some respect all right some some respect all right the man he's the, that, that man is not whipped like some men are in relationships all right <laughs> it's okay look, we're laughing about but it is a serious it's a serious matter obviously it's a very unfortunate situation uh being in venezuela obviously you know living on these situations but it's I'll play still this, respect that guy i'll play this video about tibia so you guys know what what, what this game is while I, I keep talking here uh what mm-hmm. i found really interesting guys the the guy omar quoted and that the 27-year-old farming in RuneScape, he's not like some guy with no other like options, like education-wise. This guy used to be an engineer, an, a petroleum engineer. And because of the current state of the economy, even he is forced to grind like all day, 12 hours a day in RuneScape to, to feed his family. That's how bad it is in Venezuela. That is amazing to me to just that's wrap insane. my mind, mind around that. A petroleum engineer like Texas can make like a hundred grand a year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's a pretty in-demand job, you know, in the oil industry with, uh, with the way fracking is taken off in America. You know, this is a, a skilled position, all right? You know, and he probably has worked in the oil industry before. Yeah, yeah. But it just, the, the situation is such shit that he, he went from probably making good money, good wages, to now he's playing this game all day to feed his family. Uh, so, okay, one a quick uh, political plug here, guys. Socialism, not even once. I know a lot of young guys out there are attracted to socialism. But uh, you know what? If if you do, if you vote Bernie, okay. If you vote, if you vote Bernie, okay, you're gonna be stuck in the gulags, mi- mining RuneScape and Tibia for 12 hours a day to feed your family two potatoes. Okay, that's gonna be your future if you vote for Bernie Sanders. All right. So, 
something to think about before you vote next time. <laughs> Clearly, they just they did they just did socialism wrong. All right, we got we got to try a different angle. Yeah, we, we failed like twelve times, but uh, the next guy's got it. Yeah, yeah, there you go. You 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 gonna piss off a lot of Bernie Sanders fans now. Way to go, dude. Uh, someone asked, how did it get, it get so bad in Venezuela? Basically, they went full socialist. Then the oil prices went down. And they realized, oh shit, we can't just sell to capitalist Americans anymore. We got no money. And they all went broke. I think the key problem is the oil price went down. There's a lot of yeah. countries that rely on uh, resource price, commodity prices to basically uh, support their economy and their governments. And oil price went down like, was $120 a barrel. Now it's down to like $55, $60 a barrel. So when that shit gets cut in half, there goes all the money for the government. <laughs> cool story, bro. <laughs> all right all right that was my that was my uh favorite story of the week um i thought that's the most interesting story of the week myself yeah. too but i mean uh in some slightly bizarre news we have uh we have yet another game embracing the battle royale genre you'll never guess which game it is well somebody might somebody in chat might guess right somebody yeah you're right somebody in chat might get it all right league of angels is adding a battle royale game mode i i i, I don't even understand how it makes no sense because League of Angels is a is an auto playing uh, Chinese MRP. The game plays itself in a lot of parts, but they're adding their own uh, battle royale game mode. Ten players are going, twenty players are going uh, to fight off in the Isle of Doom. But what's weird is you have the same elements of like the island getting smaller, right? That you'd see in like PUBG, mm-hmm. but you actually respawn. What? So I feel like the Chinese don't quite understand what battle royale means. You know, maybe something <laughs> lost in translation over there. You re- and, and you're supposed you to kill the people too. How do you lose? You're supposed Oh, the game only lasts 10 minutes, okay? Oh, okay, okay. And in the last, in the, in, on the ninth minute, there's no response. What? So what that tells me is that basically, you can just sit there with your dick in hand for nine minutes, and then, okay, on the last minute, then you start playing, you know? Oh, okay. I don't know. Uh, I mean, you know what? Maybe it works, because um, every time you die, you got to restart with your gear. So in the ninth minute, the guys are better. I don't know. I don't know how it's supposed to work. It's kind of random. They're obviously just jumping on the train. They're doing uh, yeah, obviously down hype train as well, but it's it's more of a PvPVE kind of thing. So like, there's bosses that spawn on the island. You want to kill them as well to get loot. You kill the players for experience and loot as well. But like, you know, so it's PvP and PVE. It's just it's just bizarre to see so many games embracing uh, battle royale as much as they did. But I think no other game really captures the battle royale craze. And obviously PUBG, but beyond PUBG, there's a mobile game that just came out, which is insanely popular. I was I was mind blown with how popular this game is. Maybe we can show it off uh, here in the stream. But this game called Rules of Survival. And honestly, like, real talk. Like, when I do mobile games, I'm never, like, hyped for these games. They're usually pretty shit, right? And, like, I realize most of the people watching on Emos.com don't give a shit about mobile games either. So when I do mobile game videos, it's usually for the the more interesting games, the slightly more, um, the better games I can find. And, and they're still usually shit. So when I did Rules of Survival, I was like, okay, here, here, here's another mobile duker. I'm only doing it because it's on the top list of most played games right now. And then I, I'm playing it. It's actually half decent, all right? You heard it here first, boys. I put on the rules of survival advertising banners all over the internet. Uh, you know, half decent, Omer, and most.com, <laughs> all right? It goes, that goes right up there. So as you can clearly see in the video, this is such a PUBG clone. I mean, they literally took PUBG and they put it on mobile. And even like the lobby of the game is identical. Even the when you first jump into the game, you're on the island, that newbie island where there's guns to shoot each other. That's basically the same shit. 120 players, they battle it out, was, and it actually works somewhat decently. You know what's amazing to me? They actually have more players than PUBG because they've yes, it's 120, not 100. That's pretty impressive. 
Uh, Young Flight, does it have controller support? I think so. Yeah, you can, you can play with the controller on uh, on mobile, I believe. Uh, this video, I recorded it using an emulator, so I was playing with mouse and keyboard, which is freaking hilarious, okay? So maybe if you skip ahead for the game to actually begin when I land, you'll see me killing some people. But like, because I'm playing with mouse and keyboard, I have like this huge advantage over people playing on their touchscreen. So like, imagine some kid playing on his like three inch uh, iPhone SE, right? And, and, and he's trying to like aim and shit, right? And uh, did I already get two kills over here? Um, I'm, yeah, I think I've got two you kills. Have three kills already. I have three kills. If you go, go back and watch me kill those guys because it's, it's hilarious how bad people are at aiming. Because again, they're playing with their four inch touchscreens and I'm playing with a mouse and keyboard on the emulator. So like they're trying to aim at me with their mouse, right? They're just slowly trying to aim at me. Like I'll see people walk past me and just completely ignore me. Like, because they didn't see me. Like he walks right in front of me. I'm like, are you serious? How is he not shooting oh. me? It's <laughs> like, it. it, it, it's, it's bizarre. I've, I've had, like, I've had games where I get like 12 kills, 13 kills. In a single game, because I'm playing against kids that are playing on touchscreens. This guy just so ran just, up to me with his fist. Them. Yeah, one, one guy went. To, one guy tried to Mike Tyson me. Oh my god! But the controls are so wonky for for touchscreen that it's it's such an advantage for playing on mouse and keyboard that it's it's just really funny. So if you enjoy battle royale games, give it a try. Honestly, because the game itself isn't terrible either. I mean, it's just obviously really hard to play on you know on on a touchscreen. But there's aim assist as well. So if you ever play any mobile games, the aim assist. So if you start shooting, like it'll slowly start correcting your aim automatically. So you have that going for it as well. But if you want to stop some kids, you know, you want to you want to go on like a 10 0 kill spree, download this game on the emulator and play it there and bind your controls to the mouse and keyboard, aim with the mouse, and you'll you'll destroy people. It just it's just remarkable. I've had so many games where people just walk right past me and they will kill me. I, I'll walk into a house, there's a guy like facing the wall, he'll like slowly start turning around and shit. Like it's he's done so boom, headshot, he's dead. So it, it feels good to stomp them. But the game itself isn't like if you look at the game, right? Like does this look like PUBG? At least it, it, it's yeah, like the full much. PUBG. Experience it's, like, on it's, like, it's like low quality uh, graphic settings. PUBG. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Yeah. And who would have guessed that? Like, um, you could literally just copy and paste PUBG on mobile, and it worked. Like, I, I thought at first that it wouldn't work because you know I thought PUBG was a more complex game. There's too much UI elements, but no, it, they literally copied and pasted PUBG on mobile, and it's so popular. You find that instant 120 person game in literally a second. I've never had to wait more than three seconds to find that match. The game is insanely popular here in the West right now. And it's actually quite shameful how much they copied PUBG. The way the bandages work are the same as PUBG. There's uh, there's energy drinks as well. Instead of blue, they're red, though. And there's level 1, 2, and 3 helmets, level 1, 2, and 3 body armor, and level 1, 2, and 3 uh, uh, backpacks. They, they copied every single element of PUBG, including all the attachments, the 4X, the 8X, the grips. Like, there's no not one iota of like unique gameplay or one iota of like um, original thought. So it's kind of like shameful how much they copied it, and it's you know it's a big company. NetEase is, a, is like a, well, the second biggest game developer in China, but like, how did they not even add any bit of originality? Is surprising. Like, I don't know. It's it, you, you see like copy like when we we're so used to WoW clones in America, but they're not actual clones the way this game is a clone of PUBG. So the Chinese really take it to the next level in terms of cloning games. But hey, I mean it works for them. I mean, I'm sure PUBG's pissed off, but this game is making mega money. Well, you know what's funny about uh, someone in chat just chat just mentioned. So is this is actual PUBG coming to mobile or is this it? Um, actually, Tencent has uh, partnered now with PUBG officially, and they're bringing they're making two different official PUBG games in China. So I'm gonna play a video for both. I don't know what the difference is supposed to be between the two, but we are getting not one but two official PUBG mobile games by Tencent. Mm-hmm. And as an example, to answer what you, you, why do people keep saying PUBG did anything new or first though? PUBG is 100% clone of other clones. I mean, that's not fair either because the guy who made PUBG, Brendan Green, he's the guy who made the original Battle Royale mod for Arma. He's like the, 
you know, one of the fathers of the genre on PC, you know, and yeah, and he also worked on H1Z1. So he, it's not really cloning if he makes it. He's like, he's still one of the original guys that made it. So I, I don't think it's fair to say. I think he, he should get credited with, you know, making it's still one cloning. of the first. It's not copying, but it's cloning. Sure, but he's cloning himself. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's like, he's like a super right. villain, right? He's cloning himself. Yeah. I don't know. I must rush me. They can mention PUBG. I think it's fine. You, you know. And the way that you know these copyright laws work is you you know you as long as you're not literally copying like character names, hero names, and stuff, you're allowed to basically copy gameplay elements because like gameplay elements aren't uh, protected by copyright. So that's why a lot of these games are, are so similar. You know, this video looks kind of hype, but this this is a CGI trailer, though, so <laughs> yeah. it's bullshit. So yeah, we're going to see PUBG on mobile in China. Uh, honestly, it'll probably come to America as well because of how big PUBG is. I mean, PUBG is a game I think that really expanded the the PC gaming market a lot. You know, you're in Vancouver right now. You said you're meeting a lot of people that. You know, built PCs for the first time just to play PUBG. Yep, you know, PUBG is doing amazing I things know two for the people who built one thousand dollar computers, and the only okay, they have two icons on their desktop. They have Chrome, and they have Steam. And when you launch Steam, they have one game on Steam, and that's PUBG. Isn't that crazy? It's nuts. I mean, people are PUBG only. But PUBG is insane. How popular this game is right now. I feel like I was early on the bandwagon. I haven't played it too much recently, but I've been, I've got at least hundred hours in there. Probably way more. Uh um, I mean, we're going to do a game of the year, uh, MMOs.com game of the year, uh, various categories. But a uh, spoiler, guys, PUBG is going to is gonna feature there quite prominently. Here's the thing about game of the year awards, too, which I, I have a lot of disagreements with over people. Again, this goes back to my weird definition of what makes a good game. Because everyone obviously has their own game of the year criteria and stuff. But in my mind, the game that can you know provide entertainment to the most people is the best game. And we, we walked over my weird definition before. But I mean, a game like PUBG is just is so has expanded the genre so much. So many, it's captured the minds of so many casuals as well that didn't even play PC games. And the game is so insanely popular with over two million concurrent players. This game has been such an impact on PC gaming, like more so than like anything else. That it, it just seems like crazy that people are like, "Oh, PUBG can't be game of the year. It's not beautiful, you know." But look at like Horizon New Dawn. This is like such a masterpiece. But like. Yeah, sure. It's a masterpiece, but look how many more people are playing PUBG. I think, look how many more you know, people are experiencing this. I think, look, you have a, you have a good criteria, okay, player base, right? Or right? Yeah. That's a good criteria. But I think Game of the Year does need to encompass other criteria. But even on that front, I think PUBG comes out ahead. So, for example, I would I would also um, emphasize impact on an industry, okay? Mm-hmm. On which case, I think PUBG is a, is a clear winner. It has a huge impact on the industry. So many games are copying it. So many other games are adding a Battle Royale feature now after this. It's it's clear. I bet you, as we're speaking, there are dozens of unannounced Battle Royale games in development, right? By different studios. Mm-hmm. So this is a huge impact on the gaming industry. It's popular. It's sold a lot. So it's got the revenue, the player base, the impact on the industry. So you got to factor all those things. And even when you do that, I think PUBG comes out ahead. Is the video you're showing in the background uh, PUBG Mobile? Yes, it is. That looked phenomenal. Holy shit! There's actual gameplay there, yeah, and that yeah, looked yeah. And that looked hype. This looks really that looks good. way better than uh, Rules of Survival. But I'm, I'm gonna download Rules of Survival on my phone to see if it looks any better because I'm sure on the emulator it doesn't run nearly as well. But this looks like, this game. The only game that's gonna be PUBG is gonna be PUBG Mobile, if anything. All right, because mobile is again ginormous. This game looks pretty hype. He's actually showing some actual gameplay in this video. Mm-hmm. People say near should be game of the year as well. Again, look, I, I personally think game of the year should be um, shouldn't be super subjective. You should try to think of some objective metrics 
and then apply all games to that metric and see what comes out ahead. Because if you just go with like what one person likes or what you what what person judges to be the best game on like what he his subjective view of like of fun of artistic value like that's all nonsense in my opinion. You got to go with a uh, objective quantifiable uh, things and things like impact on industry can be can be quantified. Things like player base can be quantified. You know, other things like fun cannot be quantified because you know who knows how much fun. You know, or how much how much you know you think a game is fun, or how beautiful you think a game looks. Yeah. Game of the year, Gary's mod. I agree with that. Uh, and okay, so if you think near Automatica, which by the way I've heard was a great game, Automata, yeah. Um, so what what criteria, what objective criteria, would you use to say you know that's game of the year? And, and if that still checks your marks, then okay, that, that, that's a valid opinion. I feel like that game uh, that game got quite popular off Two B's booty. All right. Uh, that might be the next game I play after um, I beat Cuphead. Now I need a new like single player game to stream and play. Uh, uh, Wuniak, so you're gonna be voting World of Warcraft every year again? Wuniak, that you, you, well, first of all, game of the year is for, for the year. Okay, so a game released t- 2004 does not qualify as 2017 game of the year. And, and secondly, game of, World of Warcraft is not the most successful or most popular MMORPG in the world. That title goes to good old Dungeon Fighter Online. So boom. So okay. I don't think World of Warcraft would win every every year. Uh, it's Z. They do bleed green because of uh, some censorship requirements in China. People are asking, "What the? F- why are they bleeding green?" There's no one else seeing this. Oh yeah, that's a, that's a good factor. So in China, they have different factors on what uh, you. If you have skeletons in your game, or like red blood or violence, you can't actually release a game in China. So you have to censor it um, by adding like armor to the skeletons, and uh, make the blood green. All right, I have a. I, I, I want to pivot a little bit from Game of the Year to uh, an actual MMORPG and kind of bring us to a broad discussion of MMOR, uh, some interesting MMORPG features. So, um, Revelation Online launched their Shadowblade update this last week. Uh, it adds a new assassin class, which is obviously a new class of the game, which is which is always you know anytime a game adds a new class, it's kind of hype. But what I find more interesting is the game's new class change system. And again, this is a more of a discussion about the, the concept itself than rather Revelation, because I think it's actually a pretty neat idea. So the way it works in uh, Revelation is. You, once every 45 days, you can literally just change your class. Yeah. How do you feel about that? I heard about this. I don't like it. I do not like it. Why? Okay. Because then you lose all meaning to... Okay, you lose all... Okay, when I play a game, an MRPG, I want to be my character, okay? Yeah. So I'm investing in that character, the story of that character, the, the weaknesses, the strength of that character. And if I can just switch... I'm actually against gender change and race change, too, for the same reason. Because I feel... Then you kind of lose. Just make a new character if you want, like a female blood elf or whatever. But if you if you can just change what you are by paying money, then it's not paying money; it's free. Well, whatever. If you can just change, okay, forget the paying money part. If you can just change what you are, like then I feel like you lose the kind of. Then it doesn't feel real to you. You know, it's like it's like it's like oh, do I make my background blue or green? But I feel like the connection to your character should be beyond that. It should be more intimate than just just choosing a color for your background. But it seems more to me that it, this option is going to be taken up by people that are bored of the game already. You know, like let's say you're playing Revelation and you've already got like you've played your class for a while. And you're bored as fuck. You know, like the choice is basically now: do I quit or play something else? But if you have an option to switch classes, I feel like that just seems like it gives players a reason to stay. And, and why can't your character learn a new skill? Like, why is your swordsman? Why can't you study magic and become a magician? You, and your swordsman? Too? You can, like, but not instantly. Well, you gotta do a quest maybe to level up. You know, oh, maybe, there's, maybe there's oh. like I'm, I'm all for the Final Fantasy feature where you can like have multiple classes. You know, like with one character. Yeah, they start level one though. 
Okay, even the I'm not. There should be some shared skills, like some shared progression, right? Even I'm okay with that. But mm-hmm. okay, but just just willy nilly, you're level sixty wizard, and then tomorrow you click your weekly reroll and you become a level sixty yeah. warrior. No, what if forty five days? days? That makes no sense. That that, that 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 totally breaks immersion. That breaks the investment in your character. You say breaking immersion. I feel like that that concept of breaking immersion has been long gone in MMORPGs. I, I don't think people are immersed I, in MMORPGs it, in, in their character the way you well, think they are. Well, if they aren't. Then the current state of this genre is because of, is partly because of that. Look, I, I love my character Final Fantasy fourteen. Like again, I think they they, they look mega cute. I love the emote. I, I love my character, right? And I know a lot of people that do love their characters as well. Yeah. But I don't think stuff like you know uh, level boost and stuff like break immersion. I, yeah, I your definition they do, but yeah. I don't think there's this 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 disconnect between like oh my god, it breaks immersion, unplayable. No, I, I don't think that, that that sentiment isn't really felt. People seem to be okay with it. I mean. It, People are okay with it, and that's, I think the fact that MRPG is catering to that generality is the reason. It's one of the reasons why the genre is suffering. Okay, I don't think so. I, I yeah, definitely I think so because this. I, I think when you described immersion, it was such an important part of early MRPGs when yeah. the people that played these games were like hardcore D and D nerds. People that like you know people that role play like role playing in public was more common in Ultima Online, in EverQuest, in the early days of MMORPGs. These are people that really cared about immersion. I mean, clearly the developers actually gave them tools to uh, be a part of the immersion. It was like, Ultima Online had stuff like chairs and tables that you can sit down. Like, it, 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 there's no gameplay elements, but people sat down, they drank beer, they role-played. Like, that immersion, I don't think is as important today as it was back then. You, you can still have it, but I don't think stuff like level boosts are going to break immersion. You, know, you can still have immersion, but I, I don't see... Like, how can your hero not... Like, if, if you're like a warrior already... Why can't you be a rogue if you did some like training? You do a quest, do some you training. You can, you can. I'm all, I'm, I'm all good with multi-classing. I'm, I'm all good with like. You got to level one. No, 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 no. Actually, I think, that, I think levels are bad, but that's a separate argument. My point: okay, as you level, you learn skills, right? And as you cast spells, you cast more spells than you do. Like, remember, in, mm-hmm. remember in EverQuest, like just going forward. Sometimes you would learn skills like sense heading or whatever, right? If you like click the sense. Yeah. Okay, so there should be shared skills between classes. So that if you're level seventy, if you're if you're max level as a wizard, right, and you want to, yeah. and your wizard wants to learn how to use knives, or or daggers, right, he shouldn't quote start at level quote one, okay, because the, the the progress he made, the the things he learned to get to level level max as a, as a wizard, some of that yeah. transfers over to being a, a good rogue, right? So yes, yeah, so he should that should be accounted for. So he should start at level like seventy, uh, like if if seventy is the max, maybe the, if he's a level seventy mage, he should start at level like fifty as a rogue. Okay, that's fine. All right. Because there's some shared attributes there, but yeah, but just that's fair. but just paying to just or not even paying, but just clicking a button and becoming a wizard, or and be, clicking a button and becoming a rogue, that that totally breaks. At that point, you're playing a MOBA, and look, the thing about MMORPGs is they have to be greater than the sum of their parts. If an MMORPG is just instance dungeons, instant PvP, and then and then solo grinding, right? Just those three mm-hmm. elements, like, but they're totally separated from each other. Then it's pointless. There's no point. The whole genre is dead. Just write it off now. Stop playing. The whole point of MRPGs for me is those three perspectives: PvP, PVE, and like the whole you know in town merchant trading stuff. That all comes together to create something that's worth more than those three aspects. Well, I agree with you. I, I, I've always agreed with that concept. Again, that's that's one of the reasons I, I've emphasized for the longest time that combat isn't everything. You know, too many people get caught up in combat in an MMORPG, but combat is only one element. You know, if you want to, if you want good combat, don't go play an MMORPG. MMORPGs don't have good combat. Like, I'm sorry. Like, just if you want combat, go play, go play a MOBA, go play Battle Royale, go play League of Legends. Their game's built on combat and tactical, you know, just just fighting. But that's MMORPGs true about everything. But that's true about everything. There's better combat games than MMORPGs. There's better 
uh, PVE games than MRPGs. There's better like economy games than MRPGs. Storytelling than MRPGs. Better, yes, exactly. There's better single player RPG like stories than, MR- than MRPGs. What makes MRPGs great is all that stuff intertwined and connected. And once you start switching classes, races, uh, genders, and you can just pay to transfer servers, even even pay transfer server transfers, I'm against. Uh, because of that, well, I, I'm, I'm against servers and con- we should have yeah, one mega server. Yeah, we should have one mega server. That's true. But so, but all this stuff breaks immersion. It breaks the concept of an MRPG. That, that is, it's greater than the sum of its parts. I agree. But, I, but what about what about the classes in Final Fantasy XIV where you can just change classes and, and level up a new class? Oh, that that I like that. But I mean, I would make it better by kind of maybe, like I said, sharing some kind of attributes, some kind of growth. Well, they they, they actually did have that system before, where um, like for example, in Final Fantasy as a black mage. Uh, if I played Archer, yeah. I, I made new, I, I switched to Archer class. I get to level fifteen. I unlock ability called like Raging Strikes. Right, it's uh, it increases my it's a it's a skill that increases my damage output for like ten percent for like twenty seconds. Right. Okay. And when I switch back to Black Mage, that's considered a shared skill. Oh, you know, that's nice. So, so the, your what you learn as an Archer helps you as a Black Mage or that's any good. other class like if you that. want. You can only have so many shared skill slots, right? So yeah. you know, there's some resource attribute over there, but they require you to play other classes as well mm-hmm. to get those abilities. Which is kind of neat because you know you can grow as a player. You know you can become a better black mage by exploring other classes. Yes, I thought that was a really neat system. It, it is. But too bad they got axed. They got rid oh, of it. Really? Now, now, now there's no shared skills. Oh no! Now, when you play as a an archer, you have you know you have your archer skills. When you play as a mage, you have black mage skills. There's, there's oh. no there's no overlap anymore. So I think they did that because they didn't want players to feel like they had to level up all the classes. Yeah. Which is okay. unfortunate because I think it provided a really neat way and incentive to play the other classes too. Let me let me whine about one more thing real quick here. Mm. I hate it when people are like, "Oh, um, gnomes can be warriors now with the next patch," or in Terra, like the this class can be a gunner now. Ellen, Ellen can be gunners now. Yeah. I hate that. Okay, because the whole point of the world, the immersion, the concept of the game world, is these certain classes are good at these things and bad at these things. Like they can't do these things, they can do these things. What's the point of classes and races if if everybody can just be everything? It, it totally no, no, I agree the with purpose you. of it. Yeah, gnomes shouldn't be able to be warriors, or or, or maybe really shitty warriors. Like yeah, yeah. maybe maybe there should be maybe you could be a gnome warrior, but you have like half the HP as a yeah, as an ogre warrior or something, EverQuest or like a big, big yeah. yeah. And even EverQuest, you know, you couldn't play every race, couldn't play every yeah, class, yeah. and that was kind of interesting too. I think the way class, the way races work now is they're just basically cosmetic. Exactly, like races almost have zero impact on gameplay, which yeah. I absolutely hate. You want to add a different race to a game, make them different enough. I know Final Fantasy XIV's got some like there's like one or th- one like five stat point differences between like all the races. It's literally nothing. It's so stupid. You know, make a class better at being a mage. Make a class better at being a warrior. Make make there maybe it can be a reason to play a class. I know old school WoW at least had uh like the way like class ra- racial bonuses work. Like Torrents had two percent more HP. Humans had perception, which gave them better like detection for invisible stuff. It was still not good, but it was better than what we're seeing today, where every race can play every class, and there's literally zero difference between the races. I hate that. Mm-hmm. We need to have more games that can. Uh, it, it, it's it's not even about immersion. There, it just seems kind of silly. It's a gameplay thing too. It's it just it just seems bad. Yeah, and I think I think MRPGs are not dead. Um, they will come back in a way when developers do realize this. They should not compete on being good at like all these different things. They should be good at combining these things and just stick with that. I agree. I think uh, somebody asked about classes as well. We, we had a pretty in-depth discussion last week about uh, class imbalance. And uh, people are saying classes are too similar in MMORPGs right now, which is, uh, I completely agree. You know, whether you play Revelation, you play Final Fantasy XIV, you play World of Warcraft. When was the last time you've seen a cool class in an MMORPG? A class that's actually fun to play, that's actually something different, something you haven't seen in other MMORPGs. It, it's, it's near impossible. 
because so many game studio game developers are, are so set on balance and worried about making their classes balance that they kind of lose focus of um of what's fun. I think the most important aspect of a game is fun. And when you're worried so much about balance, I mean, you, you are catering towards a PvP crowd and there is some benefit there, but you lose out on making distinct, interesting, unique classes, which I think is, 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 is very unfortunate because you know some of the most fun games don't have to be balanced. Like Balance is good, obviously, but don't lose balance just to have, you know, it, it's just so lame that all the classes are so stale these days. You know, every game's got a warrior, mage, and like a healer, these, these like, you know, ha- archetypes of characters. And that's lame. There's got to be more than one way to play a character. There's got to be more than, you know, even suboptimal uh, builds. There's got to be more variety and customization, too, on character growth. I feel like character growth is, and, and customization, we're losing a lot of now, too. Like Final Fantasy XIV, you know, I think the second most subscribed MRPG after World of Warcraft on the, on, the, on the subscription front has like zero customization. Literally zero in terms of, you know, every black mage has access to every other black mage skills. There's, there's one, not one iota of, of distinction besides gear, you know? World of Warcraft, you have like the te- some of the talent trees, but it almost feels like they've dumbed down the talent trees from uh, from I forget when they changed it, but I know Vanilla and Burning Crusade and some of the earlier expansions had a more specific talent tree, and that's all been dumbed down as well. So it's a lot less options. All right. Hey, welcome back. I am. Oh, I was holding that pee in for like the whole time. Look, some of the most fun games I play are, are hilariously imbalanced. You know, you know, what I played the other day. I played three hundred heroes, and I had I had a blast. <laughs> Did it really? Okay, I did. And oh it was hilarious. Do you want to explain what uh, that is real quick? Like, okay, so just go back to my link my video for Three Hundred Heroes while we talk about sure. it because uh, Three Hundred Heroes is a is a quality imbalance game. Okay, it's uh it's basically League it's basically League of Legends style MOBA, but it takes place on um it's League of Legends basically, but it's seven v seven, and the map is identical to League of Legends. They actually copied the map identically to League of Legends. So the map is the same, the art style is the same, but you have I think one hundred eighty five playable characters in the game that are all popular anime characters. Or from popular franchises, and it's a Chinese game, obviously, because you know copyright infringement up the ass. We're talking full on copyright infringement. Literally, no fucks given copyright infringement. There is, there is. You can play as One Piece characters. You can play as Naruto characters. You can play as uh, you know Full Metal Alchemist characters. You can literally play as Wally in this game. Wally from the Disney movie, and it's it's amazing. You can play as Yugi Moto. They actually added some new characters recently, which makes it even more fun. So you can play as uh, Neptunia. Neptunia. There's so many characters in this game, and, and, and it's so hilariously imbalanced because there's one character in the game called Mikasa from Attack on Titan, and she can just literally fly around the map one-shotting everyone. There's not even one iota of balance, but it's hilarious and fun, and I'm going to play it again probably later tonight. That's amazing. <laughs> it's literally a fiesta. If you enjoy MOBAs, just fucking play this game, all right? It's, it's called 300 Heroes. Uh, maybe I'll drop the link in the, in the after show, but you, if you Google it, you'll find it as well. Free to play. But like it's seven versus seven too, so like there's there's no balance. My favorite part is though, like the jungle creeps in this game. So you walk into the jungle, and you know where the golems are, where the golems are supposed to be. You see, uh, like two Pokemon. The dungeons, the 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 the, the, the jungle mobs are literally Pokemon, like, completely randomly. So you'll see like a Nidoking King where blue it blue buff is supposed to be, or a Nidoking Queen where red buff is supposed to be, and you'll see a uh, Cubone and Marowak where the golem spot is supposed to be. And you know, like in Lee, you can buy the Hunter's Machete, which gives you 10% increased damage like jungle minions. Instead, you buy a Pokeball in, uh, in this game. So the Pokeball gives you 10% bonus damage to like the jungle minions. It makes no sense, but it's hilarious. There's no balance. Some heroes are just OP. Other heroes suck dick. But it doesn't matter. The game is huge. It's so popular because it's just, it's just hilariously fun. Balance be damned. Actually, uh, having, having seen this and you mentioned League of Legends, so League of Legends released a new esports video. 
Uh, Omar, I know you were uh, impressed by yeah. it. So, okay, I'm going to play it. And then, Should I play the audio, though? I'm not sure. Uh, I don't know. What do you think? Is it worth playing this video? I, I think it's worth playing it. Just, it's two minutes, guys. Uh, here we go. All right, okay. play it. Play it. Play, play it. Full video here. All right, here we go, guys. Let's watch together as a team. Here we go. As a pro team. It's a great video, by the way. I liked it a lot. But I don't know if athlete is the right word that I would go for. You don't break a sweat? I don't consider it a sport. No, you do. Watching people play video games isn't like watching people play football. It's like watching people play fantasy football. It is one more step removed from human activity. You understand? It's video games. It's, it shouldn't be on a sports network. It's video games. But it, can it truly be a spectator sport? Um, it already is. <laughs> 71 million Shut up, uh, watched Jimmy. it last year. They reckon it's going to by 2017, it'll be 145 million people watching it. They're actually giving college scholarships for video, for video, for video gaming. You're kidding. Uh, and it's even gone to the point that now, the government has acknowledged video professional video gamers as athletes. Same way you watch a football match, you can hear the crowd, everyone's cheering the team on, you make friends, these are people you talk to, you play with online. It's all about community, it's being part of something that you're incredibly passionate about. Running for Barrett though right now, trying to establish vision control and force oh, and Not just a sport, our sport. <laughs> look, look, I'm all good with the community part, but here's the thing: I don't. I'm not a sports person. I don't watch a single sport. Omar knows this, okay? But what I don't get is why are video game companies so obsessed with this whole it being a sport? Why can't it just be esports? Like, why does it have to be sports? Like, why can't you just be esports, okay? And just that—that's great. It's cool. It's you know, it's big. Like, why does it have to be? Why do, why do you have to define it as sports? I don't get it. Because it is a sport. Sure. The same way everything else. Yeah, it's a sport. But, so but then, why shouldn't you call it that? So then should the other sports come up with a new term for themselves? No. Why? Why, why are you? But these, so it's easier Why are you people. trying to exclude sports? I'm not excluding. I'm saying the, it's like saying in movies, right? There's like horror movies and stuff like, you know what I'm saying? So why can't the whole point of categories is to help people you know, yeah, and, and, and you realize in sports there's a lot of categories. Like there's like ice, ice sports. There's like yeah, so uh, esports. Just winter be, sports. Just have it be esports. Sure, esports are still sports. Oh, sure. You can still call them esports. But they're still sports. Okay, but just call and the point of the video was that they're, they're dismissing it as a sport. Mm -hmm. Esports is a subcategory of sports. Okay, but do I do I draw the circles for you? No, I'm good. I admitted that. I said okay. okay so yeah. so that's the problem. When you, when you when you dismiss it as not being a sport and being its own esport thing, it's almost like excluding it, which is kind of silly. And I can see why, like, other sports don't want more competition, you know, I guess in that term, sports. Maybe that's why they want to do it. I don't know. I don't, know. I, 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 I don't think that's why. Because a, a, a lot of these pro teams are actually 
uh, buying esports teams. So obviously they don't see it like as an exclusion thing. Cup stacking is a sport. Cup, sta huh? cup, stack cup stacking is a sport. Have you seen those videos? Yeah, look, take a look. If cup stacking is a sport, why the well, hell isn't uh, esports? I, I, I was baffled by these cup stacking videos. Holy so, shit. So you think cup stacking is a sport, but this is not? They're both sports. But How do you define what a sport is? Like, I, I bet these both guys sports. Okay, fine. They're both sports. They're yeah. both sports. We're fine. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, why like, why are they chasing this recognition? Because that's what it is. But, they don't have to. They, but why, why they, should they chase it? But they, but they, should, they don't need it. They're why? being denied reality. Did I, no. If East, if League of Legends by itself is so big, right? Why does it need, like, the sports world's recognition? Like, wh why, are they, why are they going after that? Like, well, who cares? It's not that they're going after it. That video was kind of poke fun at people. That, that, that video was going after it. They, like, they're, they're trying to no, prove their video. video was to prove that they're right and basically they did prove they're right people made fun of esports because it wasn't like a real thing but now there's millions of people watching it people people the u.s government has recognized visa applications as yeah. athletes for esports why well because we have no better word for it right now they're athletes but why can't we have a more defined term we do if like esport athlete elite elites but elite elite the right there elite the e athlete is elite okay <laughs> there you go so, I don't know, I, I, I kind of like the approach they took. They basically said, we're right, you know, and we were right all along. You were silly to dismiss us and whatnot. And I think it was, it was, it was, it was a great video from, from League of Legends. It was a good video. It was a good video. It was a little and, fun, you know, but it was good. The, the amount of, like, the emotions that those players go through, the professional players, like, and at the end of a tournament, like, if they win or lose, it's, 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 it's legit. Like, it's no more, like, what their accomplishments are, their failures, their endeavors are no less than a... A basketball team playing it's the same thing yes the physical activity is different you burn more calories playing basketball all right i will say um oh god i was gonna say i i had a good point on my mind but i forgot it now i should, I should have said it sooner there is physical effort in esports you know i argue actually if you play it the chess masters burn through thousands of calories throughout the playing chess because they exert their mind all right that burns a lot of calories the chess grandmasters burn a lot of calories playing chess okay here's the question how many of the top league of legends players are at the tournament at the, at the final at the grand finals world, world finals okay how many of the players what percent of the players do you think were using mind enhancing drugs like adderall or something to focus probably a lot i bet you they were all using it all right i, 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 I want to emphasize this quote real quick before we move on because people are saying Physical activity is important. Uh, according to a TED Talk, neurologist Robert Spolotsky made the claim that a chess grandmaster can burn up to seven, 6,000 to 7,000 calories per day just from playing chess. Yeah. That's I, like more yeah. than hour. That's more than five hours of, of, of running or yeah. of sprinting at full speed. Uh, 10 hours of running at full speed. That, 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 that's literally more than if you had a treadmill all fucking day. Yeah. And the guy's playing chess. And you're going to say that's not physical activity? That's He's burning He's burning those calories more than physical activity, the, the right? The brain actually takes... Chess is, more, chess is more of a sport than basketball. You heard it here first, boys. The brain takes up a lot of energy, a disproportionate amount of human energy. But anyway, how long do you think before like doping becomes an issue in esports? Where like you're going to have people have blood te blood tests before, the, before they play their match? Like, oh, he, oh, man, look at that guy going 20 and 0 with uh, Singed. Oh, uh, drug test. The, the, the blood test proves that he was actually doping. That's why he did twenty and zero. <laughs> There's no human could do it without doping. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely, it'll, it'll be an issue the same way for for the longest time in sports. They even, they never looked at that shit, but it's it's a real issue, obviously. Oh man, that's gonna be so funny. Are they gonna disqualify like people's performance based on like them taking Adderall or something? Mm -hmm. 
as as the as the scene matures, no doubt the standards will change. So I, I don't know. Chess is, you know, I think esports is a sport, and and it seems pretty obvious to me that's a sport, and it just seems kind of silly to say it's not a sport. Look, like it's a, it's it's a different kind of sport. I mean, the sports world accepts like dressage and shooting as sports. Like it's insane that people saying that esports are a sport, but those same that their same position defends like dressage or like these other bullshit Olympic games or you know shooting as a sport. Like those are no more sports than uh than esports. There's, there's more activity in, in in League of Legends or CS:GO than there is in shooting or hunting. But hunting is a sport. I think it's literally a sport. No, nobody disputes that. The longer we do this podcast, the more I realize that like the world repeats itself because we have the same. That's true. That's you know, true. That's true. We've had this conversation. Well, uh, we are out of time, actually, guys. Surprisingly, this one this went really quickly. IMO. Um, we will we'll stick to the post game. Yeah, we will stick around in the post game uh, and, and keep going. So if you're watching on Twitch, uh, stay tuned. If you're watching on YouTube, catch us live on the Twitch next time, and that way you can hear the full story. Thanks so much for watching, guys. Later for YouTube. We'll be hanging around. Take care.